you are listening to the Air is Dope Up Here podcast. Join us every Tuesday as we navigate through the misconceptions of adulthood while still enjoying our sisterhood through traveling, creating, and getting shit done. We are back with another episode of the Air is Dope. This is your girl, Tiffany. I'm here with my sister friends, Nikwa and Britt. And I always get excited when we come together because I just feel like our conversations are so amazing. But today, y'all, it hit me that summer is coming to an end and fall is here. And I was like, slick, where did the time go? You know, and in my mind, I guess, like, I still had high hopes that we would get to do, like, some of our summer activities, a little bit of music festivals, traveling and brunches. Well, we start at one in the afternoon in some kind of way, end up in our beds at midnight. But clearly, that's not what we got. But I will say, even though summer 2020 didn't give us all that we desired, if you are active on any social media platform, you've been thoroughly entertained. We've been in entanglements to now wow. <laughs> hey, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. But in all seriousness, um, both of those situations have shown us that the perception of women in society still has much growth. Um, Women are still being viewed in one dimension, and when they choose to operate outside of what social standards deem acceptable, it becomes problematic. Um, So for us, we thought it was important for the people to embrace that WAP. And before you go play this song and go down your own little tunnel. Walk for us represents women are polydimensional. We as women possess layers of femininity and that representation is not standard, but it's an ever evolving expression of women and their experiences. And so recognizing that experience shapes the women that we are and that which we desire. Um, so for me, like, when I heard the song, I, I you know, I had a little bop in my seat. I ain't gonna lie, you know, probably put my level on the 20 in the car and, uh, you know, the pedestrians were staring. However, the more like I was on social media and I was paying attention to the song, it like dawned on me that people don't think that women are have as many layers as we know that we do, right? And I think, Nico, you and I have kind of had this conversation in the past where this isn't the first song where women have expressed themselves sexually. Not at all. And it's not, like, that's not a part of hip-hop and its culture either. Like, women are definitely sexualized. Black women are definitely sexualized when it comes to music. Um, But for me, I just think it's important that people understand that you can't box a woman and put her in this one mindset of how you think she should operate and be. Um, And for me, I feel like who I am as a woman is based off of everything that I have experienced throughout my life from a child up until now. And just thinking back of everything, like I even go back to how we, well, let me not even start there first. 
How did you two feel when you heard the song? So for me, being a former band geek, <laughs> you know, I enjoy the whole, you know, the bass line. Like I, I enjoyed like the rhythm of the music. So that's what kind of got me hyped at first. Um, and so what, one thing that I do when new songs come out, I now with the new um, Apple Music feature where you can read the lyrics, I read the lyrics as I'm listening to the song. So I clenched my pearls a few times listening to <laughs> you know, first reaction. But I think what quickly changed my perspective is it was it was more of a shock, I'll say that. But I am a part-time feminist. So mm-hmm. my reaction quickly was just like on the defense because there were too many men mm, and grown women business. And exactly. Like there was too many negative conversations about this song. And we've been listening to all kinds of mess for years. And I felt like the tables were turned once a woman said what she wants, which is totally fine. Yeah, for me, um, so I actually watched the video before I listened to the um, unedited version of the song. Um, I grew up loving music videos. I uh, recognize Cardi as a for real, when it comes to her visuals, She's always been really creative and done really, really good with her visuals, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was excited to see what the video looked like just from the the little clip or trailer that she posted. So I saw the video, loved it, um, had some questions, (laughs) Um, like some other people about why certain people are in it, but I got over that very, very quickly because I really enjoyed the visuals in the video. Um, And then I listened to the song. And the 80s born, 90s raised, Lil' Kim, Trina, Mia X, loving little girl inside of me was hype. Like a bop. I was playing it on repeat. I'm trying to learn all the words. (laughs) So... That's how I, that was my initial reaction to the song. You know, you mentioned that people been, especially in hip hop, this has been the norm for a long time. I think, um, like Britt, um, I, I went quickly to the defense once I started seeing all the backlash and the commentary about it. What hurt me more, I won't say hurt, but what puzzled me more was the amount of women that were bashing the song. That's what got to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've still been enjoying it. As you should. Yeah. I don't think anyone should be ashamed or feel some type of way because they do appreciate the song. Bree, you kind of mentioned something that I wanted to tap on. You mentioned feminism. So for me, it wasn't even about feminism. Mm-hmm. When I heard the song, I'm just like, this is just a person expressing who they are sexually. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, it's much bigger than feminism. For me, it comes to the point where, at the end of the day, we are all human. Men, women, what, however you identify yourself. 
and it's and everyone has some level of sexuality to them right so if let's just say for instance clearly cardi b and meg are very sexual beings sexual beings confident confident sexual beings aware of themselves and are okay with expressing that some people may not be okay with expressing themselves in that way of being sexual but everyone is sexual right and so for me it's like it's bigger than feminism i think people have to understand that at the end of the day just like how a man appreciates sex women also appreciate sex um i feel though at times society and men overall don't want to identify that women could possibly be more sexual than them and i think cardi b and megs represent that represent women who are out here and are very much more sexual than men like to approve of in that way right there's an old saying a man likes a freak in the bed a lady in the streets and a freak in the bed right so he doesn't want us if we look at that comment they don't want us to present ourselves in a sexual way to the public they just want us to be sexual with them in private right and there are some people that are okay with being sexual in public and in private and who are we to judge that that's not acceptable right um and nico you kind of mentioned the whole thing about you know, some women may have issues with that. I always teeter on the fence when it comes to some people being offended because it makes me think about like how we were raised mm-hmm. as women growing up. Um, me, for instance, I wasn't raised in a household where sex education was brought to me to the table, right? My mom didn't educate me about sex. Um, it was this quick little chorus in middle school. I don't even think they teach kids about sex anymore in school. But when we was growing up, like I was taught about sexual education in middle school. This one little class, they showed you about some condoms, they told you about diseases and then STDs and then that was it, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I got home, no one said to me, okay, this is what sex is about or that it can be pleasurable. Right. Mm -hmm. I know you have me thinking like the only I don't know if I had anything in middle school but I do remember in sixth grade um, I want to say we took a trip to Fernbank the Fernbank Science Center and they split up the girls and the boys and um, had the whole it was more of a period talk from what I remember I don't know that it was about sex per se um but for I, I feel like there was, may have been a follow-up class where a parent can bring you and i i vaguely remember my mom taking me um but as far as sex ed and in, in in school that's about all i remember um as far as oh talking about sex at home i think the storyline was don't have sex until you're married kind of um period and, and and I think that that might have been about it. I do remember when my mom found out that I had sex. She was like, was it good? I was like, oh, excuse Ooh. me. 
about her boy from that's real progressive motherhood i didn't get that conversation so i didn't know how to take it <laughs> because it was one in the spectrum don't do it till you get married to was it good but it wasn't so oh and i didn't really have much to compare it to so yeah i didn't know what to say yeah so um i'm trying to think if we even really talk about that now i can't say that we do so yeah yeah it wasn't um it wasn't sex talk in my house either it was don't do it period that's it don't do it um there was no education there was no this is how this works this is what this is functioning for none of that i don't even remember and doesn't mean i didn't have a class but i don't remember taking any sex education classes at school mm-hmm. like i don't remember any at all um I learned from set about sex from like music. Go figure. Um BT Uncut. Um no, you didn't go back to BT Uncut. Yeah, sneaking and watching after hours showtime and HBO. But see, I was told about because I was curious about it. You know, I like what's unnaturally. Obviously, you start feeling stuff, and you're like, "Ooh, what's that mean? How does that happen?" You know what I mean? And so, I was naturally curious, or you know, movies and TV because movies and TV. I didn't grow up being censored from movies and TV, so I saw it there, mm-hmm. and so I was naturally curious. But I got my answers from all those outlets and friends, which is none of those are where you should be looking for advice when you get ready to start having sex. And I have a similar experience. I have a question. Where um, when my mom found out I started having sex, she didn't ask me, was it good? She was extremely, extremely upset. I remember. I remember she made me, um, at the time she was um, doing work where she was like traveling around the city doing estimates on houses and she made me go to work with her <laughs> and ride all day at work with her because she didn't want to leave me at home by myself anymore um you know we grew up in the 90s we were latchkey kids we were home by ourselves all the time fully functioning without you know wreaking havoc on the neighborhood in the world we knew how to you know be responsible so i was home by myself a lot but Nico, in her mind she didn't want to leave me at home but yeah, that was my that's how I learned about sex. I got a question. So you and Britt both were not but were told like you don't have sex till you get married, right? Mm-hmm. When you started to feel I guess your sexual emotions started to evolve and show themselves, were you ashamed? No. It started to happen. I didn't feel bad about it at all. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. No, that's real because see the, the thing about me was and I'm asking that because I always wondered like from other people, because I was told the same thing, you don't have sex until you get married. So then when I started finding myself interested in sex, I didn't want to talk about it. I felt uncomfortable talking about it with my friends. I felt like I was doing something wrong. Mm. And so it makes me think about women today who are older 
and they and they were told that same thing you don't have sex until you're married and then they see that sex is so public and expressed upon in all social platforms then maybe that's them still living in that moment like because if that's all that you're taught yeah you never get the chance to kind of explore yourself to yeah. understand if that's who I am yeah right then you start to trap yourself mentally into thinking that certain things are, aren't okay. Right, right. I completely understand that. And I, I do think that is the case for some, but not all. Mm-hmm. I think some just want something to talk about. You know what I mean? But I do think that may be the case for some people where they do feel, you know, they were raised in that way. That's the way they were taught. Those are the ideals and practices that they continue to live by. And so I, I get it. I get where that comes from. I was raised in a church as well. I get it. Um, I guess for me, I, and I've said this before, I'm a live and let live type of person just because I don't, might not agree with it or might not feel like it's right doesn't mean I'm going to tear you down because you've decided to, that's what you want to do. So even if I didn't agree with the song or didn't enjoy the song, it's not my place to tear them down and degrade them because they chose to make a song about what makes them happy and how they feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's where my my issue is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I It took me a while to come into myself sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't feel comfortable being fully sexual in a way that I wanted to be until I got to college. Mm-hmm. And I guess in my mind it's because I'm finally leaving the house so I don't have to hide who I am mm-hmm. and cover up what I do or don't like because of what my family may or may not approve of because right. I'm no longer in their eyes. Like I'm able to live freely. So for me, I became more sexual when I got to college. And through those experiences, I just continue to be more comfortable understanding that I am a sexual being and that I do enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me a while into college that I I was okay with being a sexual person. Like, it took a minute. Like, I thought something was wrong with me. Like, for a while. And I just, I, I couldn't even really tell you where that shift happened. But yeah, I, I, I felt like something was wrong with me. Because nobody was really talking about it, even still then. Yeah. It was very... Hush, hush. Don't kiss and tell kind of thing. That's a real emotion. I can't say the same. <laughs> um, I, I think what it was for me, I recognized early on that what I was being taught was a c- complete contradiction to the real world. So for me, I was like, so everybody's saying don't have sex, but everybody's having sex. How does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was just like, if I want to have sex, I'm going to have sex. That just happened to be my thought process on it because I saw early on that I was, there were higher expectations for me than what people were living. I don't operate that way. And so how, how's everybody in the world able to have sex, but Nikwa can't, but Nikwa wants to. Well, Nikwa's going to do what she wants to do. How about that? Um, but what I did know is how to protect myself. And so I was always very safe. Yeah, got it popping. Then I'm okay with it. I, why you got to say you got it popping? Like, I don't... 
Because I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest, you know. Um, and I think another thing for me is I had to figure it out because I developed very early as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the body of a grown woman in middle school. So, you know, I also had to learn how to, I, I had to figure sex out and what these feelings were and why I was feeling that way. But then I also had to learn how to navigate unwanted attention because of my body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that in, in that kind of way, I had to mature and learn about it and figure it out for myself a little earlier than a lot of people probably. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I also think about like even going back to into how we was raised, like, you know, nowadays, I don't want to say it. Not only do I think about being taught about sex, but I also think about like how we were taught about what a woman represents in the in the home, right? Like now in today's society, women are very progressive. They are not what we saw in our grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm from the South and my grandmother had deep Southern upbringing, right? So she was a house mom, like a housewife. She took care of her kids. She took care of the house. She made breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Mm -hmm. So here I am growing up, seeing my grandmother operating this way, and then I had my mom, and my mom was completely different. My mom was, yeah, I'll cook for you when I feel like it. And I'm also going to speak my mind and let you know that I want to operate in a certain way. So I learned, I remember identifying being a woman in two different lights. I identified a woman being catering to her man, being supportive of her family, taking care of her household, being that nurturing, loving individual. And then I also saw another woman that was very assertive, um, very aware of who she was as a woman, very confident in it. So I was blessed to kind of have the opportunity to see both. So I have both of that in me. But then I also think about the fact of the matter that some people are taught that you are to be raised to take care of a household, mm-hmm. to be somebody's wife, to take care of somebody's kids. And in, in today's society, that's not all the what we are. Right. That's just a piece of it. Yeah, because both of my grandfathers were deceased. My parents, they they were they're high school sweethearts. They got married at 19 and 20. I guess for me it was slightly different. My mom worked initially. They both I think they both they both went to school, college. Um but they made a decision to let my dad finish first. And so my mom worked. But like their their goal together as a household was to um build a strong black family. Um, and so they did what they had to do for that when my parents were younger. So I didn't grow up with a grandfather and both my grandmothers worked because they were single mothers and then they, they flip flops. So my mom 
pretty much stayed at home with my brother and I until we went to kindergarten um, when she finally buckled down and went to school. And then my mom, you know, worked part-time, school part-time, pretty much all through my schooling, full-time and graduated my freshman year of high school, master's specialist degree, like back-to-back. And then she knocked out, you know, she's an educator, so bachelor's degree. um, um, So... The roles in the house, they they flip-flopped. You know, my mom did some work. My dad did some work. But they got everything done. And going forward, for me, that is something that I don't believe in traditional. So, yeah. House roles, because that's not what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my situation is, uh, as far as grandparents go, is similar to Brits as well, where um, my maternal grandmother, who actually helped raise me, um, was a widow. So I never saw her in relationship with a man. And uh, by the time um, I'm old enough to remember, she was already not working. She had, you know, was older, um, had stopped working. So she was at home to help with us while my mom and my aunts um, did what they had to do. My mom was a young mom um, and my mom was a single mom. So um, I also did, haven't seen my mom. I didn't grow up with a man in the household um, to see that dynamic. What I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to be a single mom. I didn't want to have to work to the bone and do everything for myself. I wanted a partner. And I, too, don't really believe in those traditional, um, stereotypical man, woman, husband, wife roles in a household. If you can cook. I'm not cooking every day. You can cook too. We can trade off. How it make it teamwork make the dream work. So we can trade off. You know, I'm not one of those people who, you know, feels like only a man can take out the trash. Or, you know, only a man can do certain things and only a woman can do certain things. I'm definitely looking for a partnership. Um, yeah. And, and both of us contributing equally to the household, how we see fit to build our household, not based on stereotypes or what it is thought that we should do or what roles we people think we should play. Um, yeah, I, I see where both of y'all are coming from. I guess at the same time, like role, if, if you really wanted to go back and say, I say all that to say because men sometimes want to put us in the box but don't want to put themselves in the box right so if you want me to be a housewife then you should be a breadwinner if we want to go back to the olden day mm-hmm. but if we want to live in today's society then i agree like we do need to be in a partnership but people also need to understand that how i identify myself in my relationship is based off of my relationship it's not based off of anybody else's standards but my own right 100 percent right so I can be a loving mother. I can be a professional. I can be a chef at home. I can be a teacher to my kids. And I think that is the challenge. And that's why we see people reacting to that video or that song the way that they do, because they're still trying to put people in this box. Oh, if you want to be identified as feminine or a woman, then you should do A, B, and C. Right. But why can't we encompass all of that and still be seen in that light? Versatility, especially versatility in women, 
makes people very uncomfortable. I really wish that we could get to a place where we just allow ourselves and society allows women. We are polydimensional. We can do multiple things and be multiple things and they all be true about who we are and how we operate and, and maneuver through our lives. And I just really wish that, you know, in our careers, in our relationships, in our family dynamics, in our friendships, in the community, that we can get rid of all these boxes and just let people be. Yeah. Don't put me in a box. I will rebel. I'm, yes, absolutely. I'm that girl too. <laughs> I'm definitely that. Don't tell me not to do something or you don't think I should do something. Okay. Yeah. And not only that, don't put me in a category based off of convenience. Right. And don't stereotype me. Yeah. Like it's okay for, so it's okay for me to be assertive for my family, but it's not okay for me to be assertive in my career. Right. Or in my relationship. Right. Right? Like, the way that we communicate in our relationships is sometimes taken as if we have an attitude instead of me, instead of you identifying that I have emotions Mm -hmm. and feelings that need to be served just like you do. Mm -hmm. I have desires in my career that need to be served just as well as you do. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to relationships, how do we do better at coming to the table to support each other instead of trying, instead of making me feel some type of way because I want to excel and I want to be great in all things that I have a passion for. In relationships, I think that's something that obviously needs to be, you know, an end up conversation. And we as women have to get to a place where we are always comfortable and not afraid to truly express how we feel, what we need, what we desire, um, without the backlash from a man feeling like, you know, um, we're speaking out of turn or we're speaking out of place or we're too aggressive or we're doing too much or, you know what I mean? Um, and so those are conversations that to be had, and, you know, just to go back to what you said earlier about the way some people are raised, you know, I think for men, it's not intentional. Like that's really what they've been taught. That's what they've uh, seen. And so that's what they believe that those are the dynamics of a relationship. They feel like um, are right because that's all they know. Right. So, you know, um, I don't know how you, teach a grown man to get rid of that mindset without being assertive for yourself and without standing up for yourself and without speaking for yourself. And if he's the man for you, then he'll take heed. If he's not next. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. It, that's still something that I'm still learning how to, to do. Um, For me, I think college and you know early 20s relationships um I struggle with being able to find my voice and feeling like I had the right to speak up um especially if we weren't in a committed relationship I was very much in the mindset you know if we not in a committed relationships you ain't about to be asking me no questions and I'm not about to be asking you all these questions like 
However, I have learned that um, while wanting to have a, a relationship, you do have to ask some questions. Um, you do have to make sure that you feel comfortable in that situation and you have the right to, to ask these questions. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been against the whole nagging thing. I don't like arguing. Um, so if you, I, that's just like a road that I just don't go down because that's not my personality. Um, but I am still learning to find my voice and speak up for things that I want. So it's, it's still progress for me. I, I can't say that. I wanted to say, I wanted to touch on two things. One, Nikwa, about that's what men recognize. Like, I can understand where you come from with that because growing up, what I saw was that the the guys were catered to and the mm-hmm. girls were given the responsibilities. That's what I witnessed. So if I'm growing up with guys that saw that same thing, of course, when they become men, they're going to identify the woman as the person that's going to be responsible or taking care of them because that's what they've been shown. Like, I didn't see a lot of dudes being held to the same standards as I was as far as either succeeding in school or getting having responsibilities. Um, and so sometimes that does trickle into them growing up as men. And then the second thing I wanted to touch on was that you kind of mentioned like, um, women have to be okay with being assertive or not even assertive, but being comfortable in their own skin. That I think that goes back to women taking the time to identify themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you are always living for others or not even living for others, but if you're always living up to other people's expectations mm-hmm. and you're never giving yourself the space to live and find yourself then when you become older, those do become struggles because you haven't really tapped in to identify what do I like, what do I don't like, whether it is for my career, my personal life, um, my passions, whatever the case may be. And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the space to do that because we're always serving or nurturing others and we got to do better at nurturing ourselves. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. I was just gonna, you know, say that in my 20s as well, and even before then, um, I also was one, because I don't like arguing, especially with men. It just makes me uncomfortable. Um, And I'm also a person who tried to avoid being labeled as the nagging girlfriend or the annoying girlfriend. So I wouldn't say stuff. And I let a lot of stuff go that I shouldn't have. And I let a lot of stuff um, affect me and I suffered in silence for a lot of things that I shouldn't have. But again, that comes with um, being given the space to learn who you are and know who you are before you get in those relationships. And so that's what I've been doing since I got out of my last relationship. And I've learned a lot about what I really do want, what I really don't, what's a deal breaker, you know, what's what how I see my future and how I see building my family. Um, And also I've learned that speaking up for myself, isn't a, isn't a, a A negative. It's not a negative, but it's not a a, a contest against my partner. 
Gotcha. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Just because I speak up for myself doesn't mean I'm trying to argue with you and fight with you and go against you. But just like you want to be heard and you expect me to listen, mm-hmm. I want to be heard and I expect to be listened to as well. And I expect you to consider my feelings just as I consider yours. And just as you expect me to make adjustments, I expect you to make adjustments as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but it, it definitely took some soul searching. It took some um, really just taking the time to just focus on me because I'm one of those girls who was always in a relationship, literally from middle school until like, what is this, 2025 years ago, I was consistently in a relationship. I didn't date around a lot. I was always in like a serious relationship. So I never had time to really get to know myself because I was always with somebody else. Yeah. So this these past few years have really been instrumental in me learning who I am as a person, as a woman, as a black woman in this world, what works for me, what doesn't, and being okay and being comfortable in that. It's been a journey. And that's what this is. Like, I don't want people to hear this podcast and think that you're going to figure it all out in one day. Like, that's not what this is. I think that it's important for men and women to understand that it's all a journey. Like we're, like I said in the beginning, we're ever evolving. I am not who I was five years ago. And that is completely okay. It's actually a good thing. I will hope you're not staying stagnant and not growing. I mean, the, the, the goal of life is to continue to evolve and grow, right? So, yeah. and, and people are not always going to have it figured out. Right. Like, and we're always going, and what I want people to understand is that at the end of the day, we're always going to have some level of trauma mm-hmm. that we're steady, recognizing, mm-hmm. processing, and moving through. And the key is like to move through, like we have to do better with allowing people to not only be who they want to be, but feel how they want to feel and move about it in a way that's best for them. Like, I really feel like that is the essence of a woman. We are always experiencing something. Life has, has never been easy for the woman and the black woman, the especially the black woman. That's the whole nother topic, right? Especially the black woman. But I think it's important for people to understand that womanhood is literally a journey from the day we're born until the day that we die. So people need to show us great and understand that the person that you see and that you're engaging with, you're only really getting 20% of me because that's 80% of me that you know nothing about, Mm -hmm. that you have not tapped into. So what you're seeing out in public came from some experiences that I've been through. Good, bad, indifferent. I think, I think also, I completely agree with that, but I think sometimes when we show only one side of ourselves too long, people get comfortable. People get comfortable in that person. What do you mean? So if we're only showing people, like in my perfect, if we're only showing people the professional side, mm-hmm. And that's how they expect you to show up 24-7. There's no grace mm-hmm. and flexibility at all. And because you got to understand, people already have ideals in their mind about who they are based on who they really would like for you to be in their life. Okay. Right. So if that's the only way you present yourself and they lock that in, the minute you flex or sway from that, it's an issue. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And you know what? And I can say part of why I think a lot of times Black women get that angry Black woman stereotype is because we're used to code switching. Mm. And so when we put a foot down, we the angry Black woman. So this last school year, I told my friend, I was like, I'm not doing it. I, you get straight up Eastside, Brittany, all so refreshing like I remember saying something to my co-worker one day and I was like did I really just say that (laughs) it was so refreshing so when I kind of had to pop off every now and again because I felt like they weren't serving my black and my brown kids it wasn't a surprise Mm -hmm. I did it still very professional right but it wasn't like a huge jump yeah yeah that code switching is a thing i think a lot of people also don't realize or choose not to recognize that black women have to deal with sexism and racism and misogyny right you know the whole feminism and and women's right movement then white women left the black women out of it at first yeah let's be honest because they celebrating 100 years voting rights. Uh, we, we, were, we were still not able to vote then. Exactly. So, and I think, you know, like Britt said, for so long, we were doing the code switch and we were showing up and pre- presenting ourselves in a specific way. And the people got tired. And were like, look, y'all are obviously confused. And then we became angry. When we're not angry, everybody else gets to be passionate. Yeah. We're angry. Mm-hmm. Why are we angry? Because the Black people, men and women, have been painted to be these aggressive forces, right? And violent and whores and, you know, over-sexualized. We're not angry. We're just as pat Now, we will get angry just like everybody else so don't try it (laughs) but we are passionate just about the things we love and the people we love just like everyone else and i think like Britt said for so long we were having to turn that switch on and off from when we were at home and then when we went out into the world to present ourselves and now that we're just like i'm not doing that no more the people are in an uproar yeah and i think generations have evolved to the point where absolutely they're more comfortable being who they are in, yeah. in every area of their life. You know what I'm saying? And who I am at work is who I am at home. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Like, that is all of me. You have to know all of me. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the beauty of today's generation. Like, we are not operating out of a state of pleasing and accommodating nobody but ourselves mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree that was one that's one thing i admire about the babies you know, them teens and early 20s kids i call them babies now <laughs> oh god so what you call us they don't have a generation named <laughs> we're just us but though that's one thing i admire about them is they really are growing up in a world where it's more acceptable and it's okay to be exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. 
And the thing about it is, they don't care what nobody got to say about it. And they are not going for the BS. And I love it. I'm here for it. I was worried about them when they was eating them Tide Pods and carrying on a few years ago. Oh. They done came on through. And I am, I really do admire that, you know, at such a young age, they're comfortable with exactly who they are and they're unapologetic about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we weren't there at that age. It that took us some time and some living and some life experience. That was our journey and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I've accepted that, but I do admire them for that because I think it's going to be a better world because of it. Mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Living life outside the box. They do yeah. The new generations are definitely living outside the box and are definitely shaping what is deemed acceptable and what just is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. I, yep, I said it. It is what it is. Mm. Um, but we we basically are just wanting to let people know that when it comes to embracing the wild, that women are polydimensional, that there is beauty in every woman and the essence of their being. And for the men and women who have listened to today's podcast, we really hope that you leave this episode having less subjective conversations on what defines femininity and more dialogue on how to empower and uplift the woman and so until we meet again be blessed take care of that wop y'all <laughs>